You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel in Oakville, Ontario. For more information, please visit our website at harvestoakville.ca. All right, please open your Bibles to Romans uh, chapter 12 is where we are today. Romans chapter 12. And as you do that, uh, we are in our second week of our foundational discipleship series, which is entitled, um, I am a Christ follower. I am a Christ follower. Now, we briefly introduced this series last week, and here's what we understand as elders. We're going to be taking many laps around this track together in the hope that as we keep going around this track, we're gathering more people. Say, hey, come on, come on, run with us. Let's follow Christ together. And so maybe the first lap is gathered a couple hundred, and the second lap we pray we'll gather a couple hundred more, and we'll be like, come on, join the run. Let's, let's, let's run this race that God has called us to. And again, run running along with the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are saying right now, well, I, I hate running. No, 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 it's, a, it's an example. It's a, it's a metaphor. You know, it's not literal running, but, but it is running with Jesus. So even running can be exciting with Jesus, all right? And especially when it's spiritually running with him. And so this is what we're trying to do right now. But here's what I know we need to do. We need to, again, um, restate and, and just kind of uh, refresh ourselves in what we're trying to accomplish. So let's do it this way. It's the same stuff we saw, but just in a slightly different way. The goal, the target is to be followers of Christ as much as we've ever been before. The theology, so what we're being asked to believe about following Christ is uh, abide, connect, and share. If I truly follow Christ, I must abide. And this week, I must connect. And next week, Lord willing, um, I must share. This is what true followers of Christ do. This theology is non-negotiable. You can't be like, I like two out of three. Or I like the one, but not the other. No, no, it doesn't work that way. If we're going to take God's word for what it is, we have to come to grips with, he is right. He has called us to this, and we are believing this because belief, again, hear me, hear me. Belief is the foundation for true life change. If we're not convinced in our minds, renewed, it's not going to be seen through our lives. So last week, we were hit with a very, very vital message on abiding, that we, were, we cannot follow Christ unless we abide in him. Remember last week too, uh, we had that moment of like the abide bus has stopped and Jesus is inviting you, the Holy Spirit's like, get on the abide bus. Well, here's a picture someone sent me this week uh, from that right there. Look at that, look at that. Isn't that great? Someone in our church, they, uh, the abide bus has stopped. Let's get on. The only thing I could better if the doors were open and someone was there going, come on, come on, like that. All right, back to our other slide. Thanks so much. That was so cute, though. I love it. This week is connect. Next week is share. Now, now, as we go through the theology, a lot of you are like, okay, okay, I get it. Now, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? That's October, November. Be patient, all right? Be patient. There's application built in now, but the whole point of going through the theology first is then we get to the outworkings of what we believe. We believe first, then we seek to do. We don't do for the check mark. I'll say it again. This is not legalism. This is not a formula. This is not I check my boxes and God likes me. No, 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 no. This is the respond to the call of love from Jesus Christ. If I believe he has given me everything, I abide in him. I connect to his church. I share the gospel. And when I do this, here's what it practically looks like. I God time, gather time, group time, give time, and go time. Not a formula, loved ones. I refuse to any label of legalism whatsoever. It's nothing, nothing to do with what's happening. And not that anyone said that. I'm just guarding. We all come from different backgrounds. And some of us have personalities where we're so quick to say, God will like me more if I do. No, 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 no. It's the Lord in us. It's the Lord in us that accomplishes this, and that's why we start with abide. You know, I was reading um, this week in John 14. It hit me so hard, you know, because sometimes we think, wow, this bar's kind of high. Jesus says um, to his disciples, he says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'm just like, wow. Like if I was one of Jesus' disciples and I kind of knew myself, I'd be like, I don't think I can do that, Lord. I, I, I just like, I want to keep your commandments, but I just, every day I fail. You know, the very, it's always important to take a verse in its context, okay? The very next verse after, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus says this in John 14, uh, 16, I believe. He says this, and I will ask the Father to send you another helper, capital H helper, the spirit of truth 
Isn't that so beautiful? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. The very next verse, Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, he will go to the Father himself. I will ask the Father to send to you another helper, capital H, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot see and does not know, but you know because the Spirit of God dwells with you and in you. Okay? So throughout this series, as the bar is raised as it should, as it should by Christ himself, what Satan does, Satan comes to you and I and he says, you can't do that. You'll never do that. You're too sinful. You're too weak. You can't. You're like, yeah, yeah, I know. That's the whole point, evil one. I can't do it. But Christ in me, he can. And that's how it works. So as you go through this and you're tempted towards discouragement, in Jesus' name, take the lie, smash it with the truth. You're right. I can't do it, Satan. Jesus has asked for another helper to come the spirit of truth who dwells with me and in me. And that's how this is accomplished. So every single one of us, every single one of us has the reason to believe God wants to do a greater work in me than he's ever done before. Every single one of us. Not by our power, by the power of the living God. Week number one, a true Christ follower must abide. Week number two, here's our title. A true Christ follower must connect. Must connect. What's our bottom line for today? It's this. Ready? The Christian life is never to be a solo mission. The Christian life is never to be a solo mission. Hear this too. By God's design, by the design of God, we need each other. Now, as we launch into this series, you're going to sense some strong imperatives as we go along. You're going to hear some categorical statements. Uh, I want you to know that is completely on purpose. Why? Because there's no wiggle room to what we're being called to believe. And by the way, if some of this truth or some of these statements cause friction on your conscience, good. That's good. That's exactly what the ministry of Jesus did. He didn't butter people up. He didn't put smooth words upon their lives. He's like, you want to follow me? You want to really follow me? You got to know what you're signing up for. You got to count the cost. This is going to mean death to self. You're going to have to deny yourself. You're going to have to take up your cross. You're going to have to renounce all that you have. You're going to have to hate mother, brother, father, sister, even your own life because you got to love me the most. Jesus did not water it down. And so we're not called to water it down either. If this is causing friction on our consciences, I'm very happy about that in grace and truth. And the grace and truth of today from Christ is this, is if we are saved in Christ, ready, ready, ready? These important statements. If we're truly saved in Christ, it's impossible, it's impossible to not be saved also into his body. If we're saved in Christ, we're saved into his church, 100% guaranteed. Therefore, we cannot and are not to follow Christ by ourselves. In fact, for the person who desires to follow Christ, but do it on their own, that is impossible theologically. It's theologically impossible to follow Christ and not be part of his body. This is why we must connect in the church. We must connect to his body because you can't truly follow Christ if you're not connected to his church. That's the point of today. This is what we're going to see. And the church under the design of God is the greatest place of community and affection and growth because it's by God's design. Now, I know the church is not perfect. Trust me, I work for one, all right? Church has issues. I mean, it's so messed up in different ways. But listen, it is by God's design, as everyone seeks to follow Christ, it becomes the most powerful, beautiful institution on earth for the glory of God. You know, sociologists are saying that um, we have never been more connected in human history than right now. We've never been more connected as in the human race and in human history as right now through technology and social media. You know, sociologists are also finding out Say, we've never felt more alone. We've never felt more isolated. It kind of makes sense to me, right? Because the connection that we are seeking in this world right now, whether it's through social media, it's so superficial, it's so shallow, it so often never accomplishes what we're really desiring to do. And people are actually becoming more isolated in their pursuit of never having more bits of information of connectedness in their life. You know, 
I wonder in this room right now, I wonder who is, I wonder who is lonely in heart. I wonder who has that inner ache of loneliness. I wonder who is longing to be known and longing to know others as well. The answer is always Jesus Christ. And the answer, listen, listen, is Christ through his church. By the design of God. Yeah, we're going to mess things up. We have, we are, we will. But God's so grace. And that's why, as we heard, his mercies are new every morning. And he desires to use us. And so we, once again, are longing for the proper vision of how beautiful the church can be and is be as we are united in him, not ourselves. Not about us, but about him. We are united for the glory of God. That's what we're seeking again to call us to today. See, to belong to the body of Christ, we are part of something the world can't even explain or even understand. The Christian life is never to be a solo mission. By God's design, we follow Christ and we connect to his church. Let me make one more statement before we jump into God's word here. Amazing today, this is it. I want you to hear this too. You cannot fulfill God's will for your life without being connected to his church. That statement's so important, I want to get it on the screen first here. I want you to look at this right here, okay? okay? This is another way to say the thesis of our day today. You cannot fulfill God's will for your life without being connected to God's church. That's the theology we learn today. If you're not connected to the church of Jesus Christ, you are not in God's will fully for your life. Romans 12, Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Look at verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. And verse 5 is really the heart of our passage today and the heart of our message. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So we're going to use this passage as our home base today, but we're not going to be afraid to venture out into some other areas in God's Word. So what is the beautiful truth that we learn here today regarding connecting as a follower of Christ? A few truths we take from these couple of verses. Let's start here. Truth number one, as a follower of Christ, I belong to the body of Christ, no exceptions. First truth today, as a true follower of Christ... I belong to the body of Christ, no exceptions. If you concentrate on the initial portion of verse 5, we are introduced to one fantastic piece of theology. Verse 5 says, So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Now that phrase, the body of Christ, the body of Christ, that can be said, it's one of these phrases that can be used so often that it becomes familiar and as we become too familiar with that phrase, it loses its meaning and it also loses its beauty. But we pray not today. Today we are pulling out this theology, this phrase, the body of Christ. We're going to examine it and we're going to extract from it all its glory as it pertains to our lives. So first of all, think of it this way, okay? So we though many are one body in Christ. Now, what is the body of Christ? Look at it this way. The body of Christ has been purchased by the blood of Christ. It's been purchased by the blood of Christ, and therefore it becomes the bride of Christ. So take a moment to try and digest that glorious truth. The body of Christ, purchased by the blood of Christ, therefore becomes the bride of Christ. Again, let's look at it on the screen here together so we can see more. I want you to grasp this theology. This is not a small deal to the Lord, okay? The blood of Christ. Jesus died for the church. He died for the church. The bride of Christ. Jesus married the church. He loves the church so much, he married it. And he's not leaving the church. The body of Christ. God's word tells us Jesus is the head of the church. Died for the church, married the church, the head of the church, the blood of Christ, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. Apparently the church is pretty important to Jesus Christ. 
Listen, listen. Jesus Christ loves his church. Question, do you? Do you love his church in any way in the same level that Jesus Christ loves his church? Do you and I view his church on any of the same levels as Jesus Christ views his church? See, this is where truth must again lead to transformation. Consider how our view of the church of God is so often so vastly different from Jesus' view of the church. Think of how casually we treat the church. Think of the way we just kind of stumble in on a, on a Sunday morning. We treat the church so casually, Jesus died for it. We date the church so selfishly. Jesus married it. Are you church hopping right now? Is it just, you know, just trying to find the right church suit all your needs? That's not, that's not great. You know, I don't ever try to tell people to come to this. I'm trying to tell people, say, you can't go where. We want healthy churches across this land. Now, I will advise someone, if you're going to a church that's simply not preaching the word at all and becomes apostate, that's a whole different thing. But this idea of like, I'm going to find the church that suits my needs exactly as I want it, what is that? What is that? That's an improper theological view of the church. It has become about us. It has, it has failed to become about the Lord Jesus Christ. I think of how often we complain and criticize the church. So easy to do, isn't it? And Jesus is the head of the church. I think about how we often so give our leftovers to the church. Leftover change in our pocket. Leftover time of our busy week of all the other things that we want to do. Leftover emotion and affection to the Lord Jesus Christ because we're so busy, busy with all our idolatry. But Jesus gave his all for the church. Question, do you love his church? I mean, really, do you, do you really love his church? You know, the whole thing that we are the bride of Christ, that blows me away. It blows me away. You know, the second greatest moment of my life, second greatest moment of my life, I'll say, was the first greatest moment was when I got saved, amen? That's a good thing. That's a good thing, okay? Second greatest moment was my wedding day. Because that moment, to be able to understand, I get to be married to this woman whom I love. And I remember that day, man, every time I'm kind of doing a wedding and performing a ceremony, I usually say to the groom, man, wait, this moment right here, this could be a good one for you, man. I could watch the groom as he sees his bride coming down the aisle. And my wedding day, I remember Jill and, and she was, I didn't know this, but she's going to kind of be um, entered in. We're outside wedding and she's on a kind of carriage. Her brothers were taking her on a carriage and then she gets off the carriage. She starts walking down the aisle and I'm sitting there and tears welling up in my eyes. And I'm just like, this is exciting, you know, and just filled with like, I can't believe I get to do this. I'm so happy. I'm so excited. I feel so much love for her. I can't wait to be with her. I, I get to spend my life with her. And just like, and for me in that moment to feel the love and the passion for this woman that God has gifted me with. And what does that do? That gives me a smidge of finite understanding as to how Jesus Christ views his church as the bride. Jesus Christ infinitely and perfectly loves his church so much. He gave everything for her. He, he loves us to the very end. There's nothing more he can do to display or demonstrate his perfect love for us as his bride. He loves us so much. He loves his church. Do we love his church? And just consider Jesus' affection and, and guaranteed glory upon his body. Do you know the privilege of what it is to belong to the body of Christ? I suggest to you so often we have no idea how blessed we are to be called children of God, a part of his body. Because the way we complain, the way we treat it so casually, the way we're so selfish. Think of all the things you can be a part of in this world. You could belong to some sports team, as many of us do, some club, some organization, some class, some school, some business, some political party, some board of some kind, some form of elite society. But listen, you could be part of all those things, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, and day is capital D day, you'll only care that you're part of one body. And that's the body of Jesus Christ. Okay. Oh, I just heard the phone. It's wisdom again. It's for you. 
and it's for me. And what is the wisdom call this time? Wisdom says, listen, live as though the body of Christ is the most important thing you'll ever, ever be a part of. The moment the trumpet sounds and Jesus Christ comes in all his glory, you're not thinking about your parent group meeting. You're not thinking about the sports team you're on. You're not thinking about some board you served on in some place in society. You are thinking about where am I in Christ and what have I done with the opportunity he's given me as part of his body for his glory. Wisdom time right now. Let the truth of eternity make a difference right now in the present. The appreciation of this truth leads to the application of this truth. So I'm a football fan, particularly the NFL. like watching the NFL. NFL season just started last weekend. I'm very depressed again, of course, because I cheer for the Buffalo Bills and they haven't won a game yet, all right? So that's just, that's, that's par for the course for me. One of the things I've noticed with the NFL, which is very interesting, the NFL is like marketing geniuses. The NFL, their new slogan is now, football is family. Football is family. Because what they're trying to do is they, they have a, a commercial where there's like a New York Jets fan, a New York Giants fan, and they see each other in the subway and they kind of give each other props and they hug and all of a sudden they're family because they're part of the NFL. Okay, last time I went to an NFL game, uh, people from opposing teams, they wanted to kill each other. All right? All right? Like almost literally. All right? And if that's family, I hope your family doesn't want to kill each other. All right? And so... Is that, I mean, it's so interesting though, there's just building this idea that if we're here on earth, listen, that family won't last. Call it what you want, man. That family won't last. I'm part of that too, is like, even if your team wins, they lose the next year. Or you can cheer for the Leafs and you never, ever win ever, right? Whatever, right? right well, it's true, isn't it? Even, if it? even if they get the ultimate, it lets you down and then you're left with nothing again but the body of Christ, the body of Christ. I always say to my boys, when the, even this week when the Bills lost again another time, I say, that's why I stick with Jesus, boys. He, he never, ever loses. I like winners, don't you? The body of Christ wins. The body of Christ wins. It's the greatest, it's the greatest institution and organization you could ever be a part of. Let's live like it. Let's connect to him when we understand that he has saved us to such a calling. Look at verse 5 again. So we, though many, are one body, one body in Christ. Notice the truth, one body, one body in Christ. Now, what are we learning here? We're learning this. When you're saved in Christ... You're saved into his body. You don't separate those two things. Saved in Christ, you are saved into the one body of Jesus Christ. So, so there's never a person who's truly saved and saved in isolation. There's never been a person truly saved in Christ in the history of the world. They come to the Lord Jesus Christ, the body's over here, and they are isolated by themselves. It just, it just, it just can't happen. We are one body in Christ. So the theological truth is, True conversion leads to true immersion into the body of Christ. This is another reason why baptism is so glorious. Baptism doesn't save you. It points to the fact you have been saved with Christ, and now you're identifying as being in Christ and a part of his body. See, that's why baptism, there's no, we like saying right here, there's no such thing as an unbaptized believer in the New Testament. Because that was the first and easiest step of obedience to say, Christ has saved me and I belong to his church. Have you been baptized yet? Are, are you a believer and not yet baptized? Hey, hey, in love? That's a problem. That's a problem by the word of God. But what an opportunity of glory to give him glory by standing up and identifying, I'm saved in Christ. I can't separate the fact that I'm in the body of Christ. We have a baptism service next weekend. Huh, what are the chances? And it's not too late. And it's not too late. We would love to talk to you. We would love, as you take a step of faith, to say, Jesus Christ died for me. At the very least, I can stand up and tell my church who loves me that I love Jesus too. It's glorious, this theology. I love it so much. So notice here, notice here. True conversion must come with true immersion into the body of Christ. So here's what it's not, okay? It's not pulling up in the fast food restaurant and you say, you can I have a burger, please? And the person behind the counter says, uh, do you want to make that a combo? And you're like, no, no, I just want the burger, okay? okay? When it comes to following Christ and his body, you don't have a choice whether you want the burger, okay? You don't just take the burger. It's not, it, you, you, you must take the combo, all right? In the body of Christ, you have Christ and you have the church. There's no option. They come together. No, 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 I just want the burger. You can't do that. You can't do that. You're getting the fries and the drink, all right? It's all coming together. 
It is, it is, it is. Christ and his body is one. So the image of the body, of course, that the, we are one body in Christ, it's brilliant, the Holy Spirit's brilliant analogy, of course, right? The body is one, and yet the body has such variety. A body cannot be separated in a beautiful way. The body is stuck together, the, the eyes and the arms and the, and the ears and the toe and so on. It's, it's one body but so many different parts. Notice in God's design, the one body, such diversity within unity. One body, but so many different parts. If you you stop long enough just to consider the human body, the design is nothing other than supernatural. It's just incredible. I mean, just watch what I do right now, okay? Watch what I do. Look at me. Look, I'm talking. I'm looking. My arms are moving. My brain is working. My heart is pumping inside of me. I'm functioning with arms and legs and attempting to do a little dance of some kind right here like this. And what, what, that's incredible. What, how do you do that? This is unbelievable. One body, and yet every part is dependent upon one another. My eyes dependent upon, again, the brain, the brain, and it functioning through the arms and, and just have a leg by itself. It's not going to be useless. One body so many different, it's, it's awesome. It's the Lord physically, but listen, it's the Lord spiritually in his church. One body, many parts. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Let me show you here the implications then that we are part of this one body on the screen for you here. Watch this. Here's the first one, okay? Here are the theological implications that we are one body. First, um, I belong to the rest of the body. You don't have a choice in the matter. If you're saved in Christ, you automatically belong to the body of Christ. You belong to it. You're you're the arm as part of the body. You can't separate yourself from it. You're there. Next one is this. Um, It's impossible to be in Christ and not belong to others. So you see by God's design, it's not like, hey, Jesus, you're the best, but then you're not connected. No, no, no. If you're in Christ, you belong to his children as well, brothers and sisters. Here's the next one. Um, As I belong, I also have a responsibility to others. So just as the human body, right, the hands and helping the feet and the eyes help each other, we're the same. You're saved in Christ. You have automatically a responsibility to love and care for others in the body. Next one. I can't truly follow Christ and avoid his people. Let's sit on that one for a second. That's good, okay? If you're truly following Christ, you have to be with his people. And that's just not on once a week at a service. We'll hear more about that in a second. If God is my father, then his people are my family. This is just the theological truth right now. There's no way to avoid it. Lastly is this. Church then is not a meeting. I like this. Church, by the way, I really um, leaned heavily on Sam Albury for this list. Church then is not a meeting I attend, but a body I belong to. That's a good way to look at it, right? We're not walking in here to a, an event or just a service. This is a body of God's children that I belong to. So what a beautiful truth. As a follower of Christ, I belong to the body of Christ, no exceptions. Truth number two is this. As a follower of Christ, then as I seek to connect, I am a member with other believers, no choice. I am a member with other believers, no choice. Look at verse 5 again in Romans 12. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, notice this now, and individually members one of another. Now what I love about this is you have the individual, stated right there in verse 5, see it? You have the individual, but the individual is part of the greater whole. The text says we are members of one another. So by God's design, we are our own person. Praise the Lord. We are individuals, but we're not to be operating in silos. We are individuals, members of one another, so individuals that have been designed by God for community. Think of that. The unity and then the diversity, but under God's design is so beautiful and so has such a consistency again of his fruitfulness here. Now, did you know that our church body, and I want to get these stats, like, like I want to have the science of this because I just love it so much. You know that our church body is somewhere around 40 ethnicities and 40 different languages represented here 
um, right now. That is, that is glorious. Um, that is awesome. If you think about it too, I mean, how, how beautiful is that? I mean, you just kind of look around just for a moment and if you start to ask, hey, where are you from and, and what kind of language, you know, have, had your background then and just to see like what are the chances that this group in this way would gather together like this? And just chances aren't good. But in Christ, you know what too? We have an opportunity here in Oakville and in the GTA that many churches around the world just don't have the don't have the privilege and the opportunity to gather with such a variety of people from so many different places and again ethnicities and languages and and yet here we are and we have the wonderful joy of celebrating the multicultural reality of the church for all eternity every nation tribe and tongue and we have a bit of a foretaste of that right now, but it also just heightens the fact that we're one body, yet we're so diverse as well. In Christ, we are one. Isn't that a blessing? Isn't that a joy? This is the thing we have to appreciate so much. We are genuinely, literally, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that should bless us. That should be a joy to us to embrace one another, that we share the most important bond ever, ever given again among this world. So this would be a good time in the service to turn to your brother or sister and say, bless you, brother, bless you, sister. Go ahead, go ahead, do it, because you want to. Amen, amen, amen. In our church, thousands of individuals, members of one another. And what is this, loved ones? How does that work? How do we join in this variety and yet unity? There's nothing other than the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. There's no fellowship like the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. It's a bond that is too beautiful, too deep. It's a bond that is purely supernatural. We've told the story here at the church before. Some of you maybe have not heard it. I believe Billy Graham first told it. And Billy Graham tells the story of this man who's walking down in Eastern Europe and it's a very cold day and he's all bundled up. As he walks, though, he's humming one of the great hymns of the faith. And as he's doing that, he's humming one of the great hymns of the faith. Another man kind of is passing him by and picks up on what he's humming. And as he passes him, this other man turns around and begins to hum the same hymn. The first man humming the hymn, they turn around, they understand what they're saying. It turns out they cannot speak the same language, but boy, can they speak the same language. And they hum the hymn together. They turn, they hug, they embrace. They have a wonderful moment of connection, of knowing who they are, and together they embrace, and then they continue to go their own ways, and both of them, that was the best part of their day. Why, why? It's the supernatural connection of understanding that we may not even be able to communicate in the language that is first known to us, but we can communicate the most important truth ever, that we are brothers in the Lord Jesus Christ. And instantly there's a love and a joy and a unity that the world will never ever understand or know. This is what Jesus Christ produces in us. This is what it means to be connected to the church of Jesus Christ. If you look back at our text, really our verse, verse 5, notice this. When we meditate on individually members of one another, what does this mean? It means this. We cannot truly fellowship with Christ. Listen, ready? Ready is very important. We cannot truly fellowship with Christ and not fellowship with his people. You can't truly fellowship with Christ and not fellowship with his people. A true Christ follower must connect to Christ's church. What people do, though, people object all the time. And people say, well, 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 I don't need the church. I just need Jesus. I don't need the church. I just want to follow Jesus. The church drives me crazy. Okay, What they don't realize, they've just made a false dichotomy. You can't separate the church from Jesus. You can't separate the head from the body. And by the way, to say to Jesus, I love you, I don't want your church, you know what that's really saying? That's like going up to, are you guys married? Awesome. That's like me going up to you and saying, man, you know what, I love you, but I can't stand your wife. No offense, okay, I love you. No, okay, but, but that's what it's like. It's like, hey man, I love you so much. I can't stand your wife though. That's what people are saying to Jesus. When they go, I love you, Jesus, but I can't stand your church. Jesus is not complimented with that statement. That's not, that's not a warm feeling for Jesus. What do you mean you don't love my church that, that's that's my wife you hate my wife that's what people are saying people people say well, well you know i want jesus but i don't want the church that's like a, a wife going up to her husband and saying and saying hey uh, dear i love you uh, but i can't stand your body 
I mean, don't do that, wives. Don't do that. Men don't ever do that, all right? Don't ever do that, all right? Ever do that. But when you're saying to Jesus, Jesus, I love you, but I don't love you. I can't stand your body. It's the head and the body. Do you know what the person's doing there? The person who's saying, I love Jesus. I don't want the church. Basically, it's saying, cut off the head. I'll take the head, but forget the body. I don't like your chances. That's not going to go well. A body without a head and a head without a body doesn't work very well. It's kind of messy and doesn't live very long. Jesus is the connected head to the church. You know what Spurgeon calls people who says, I love Jesus, I don't like the church? Spurgeon calls them good-for-nothing bricks. The reason he says that is we are living stones, a part of the building of God. We are, we are, we are stones being built into the spiritual house. First Peter talks, I love the imagery all throughout the Bible, the bride of Christ, the body of Christ, the building of God, the family of God. I mean, God goes out of his way to say, listen, I love my church. And I care about this. So people who say, I want Christ, not the church, they're a brick tossed to the side and you're good for nothing. And the rest of the people connected to the church are part of God's spiritual house and building. Fundamentally, listen, if you keep being disconnected from the church, the implications are you can't really know Christ. At the end of the day, if year after year after year after year, you are not part of the body of Christ, then you are not part of the head of Christ either. Because you can't separate the two. You picking up what I'm putting down? This is what Jesus is saying. It's so clear. It's so important. It's so amazing. Colossians 1, Jesus is referred to as the head of the body. He's the head of the body, the church. This is why by the design of Almighty God, when we are saved in Christ, we are automatically members with other believers. So listen, you don't choose your family. God does. But you can choose to love your family. But you can choose to love your family. Listen, as we see them as members of God's family. You know, if you look at Romans 12.5 again, look at Romans 12.5, it says, notice, members one of another. When you see that one of another, it triggers in my mind all the one another's in the Bible. Do you know that um, um, there's a count that there's 59 one another's in the New Testament. Here's a sample of some of them here. Here's just, I think, 12 or something. Love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Live in harmony. Instruct one another. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Serve one another in love. Here's some more. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Speak to one another with psalms. Admonish one another. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Encourage one another. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Let me ask you this question. These one, all these one another's are impossible to do in isolation. A person who's by themselves cannot fulfill any of these commands to encourage, to love, to show hospitality, to greet, to instruct, to admonish. All of those are impossible to do for the person who's not connected to the local church. The Christian life is never to be a solo mission, ever. Here's what I have to come to theological grips with. If we are not connected to his church, ready, 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 then we are not living as he desires us to live. Point blank. If we are not connected to his church, then we cannot be fulfilling the desire of God as he desires us to live. Why is that true? Because if we're not connected to the church, then we're not either serving or being served. We're not either encouraging others or being encouraged ourselves. We're not instructing, nor are we being instructed. And really, when it comes down to it, if I'm not connected to the body of Christ, as I'm called to by God's design, I am not either loving or being loved. And how can that ever be God's will? And this is why the church cannot just be once a week. It can't just be once a week. As one preacher, he said this, the one another's in Scripture cannot be accomplished while sitting in rows. The one another's cannot be accomplished by sitting in rows. The only exception to that might be a prayer meeting where you're engaging with one another in the same row and praying and encouraging. This is why it's so important too. This is why the author of Hebrews said this in Hebrews Chapter 10, he says, and let us consider how to stir up one another. I love stir up. I just stir up. It's like motivate, inspire. Get people fired up. 
how to stir one another to love and good works. Listen, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some. So why does that encourage me? Well, apparently in the first century, they had this problem too, all right? Apparently people are like, oh, I like Jesus. Maybe I don't think the church isn't so important. Author of Hebrews is like, uh, 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 uh. Notice, but encouraging one another, and all the one another's in here, and all the more, all the more, as you see the day, that's not our capital, that's in, that's in scripture, the day of the return of Christ. So the urgency of understanding the importance of the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the family of God, as Jesus Christ returns for the reasons we've already said. This is the most important thing you'll ever be a part of. If you're saved in Christ, we see this, and I want to give my life to this. The urgency in Scripture. Here's a question. How often do you attend church? I'm not going for guilt here. I just, I just did asking that. Like, you know, I, I heard recently there's a, a large, influential, evangelical, very solid church, and they were kind of listing the stats of people within their church and kind of how many people attended at different times and in, in different ways. And it's amazing to me the percentage of people who attended so infrequently, like it's like 50% were less than two times a month or something, maybe even less. And what are we asking here? Well, we're asking you saying, what, what are the priorities of our lives? And what are they really? There's always an excuse to do whatever. I just want us to think about that. What is, do I, do I view the church the way that the Lord views his church? And this is what we're going for. Because when I do, that's when I value connecting to the body of Christ. And in this context, loved ones, listen, it's get connected while there's still time. It's get connected while there's still time. Because this is what a true follower of Christ does. I belong to the body of Christ, no exceptions. I'm a member with other believers, no choice. And then thirdly, thirdly is this, as a true follower, I need the church and the church needs me, no doubt. I need the church and the church needs me, no doubt. Look at verse six. Verse six in Romans 12 says this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, notice, let us use them. So every single believer, according to this verse, every single believer, according to the distribution of the Holy Spirit, ready, 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 has something to give to his church. Every single believer has something to offer to the church and to the people of God within the church. I want to turn to um, a parallel passage that is beautiful for understanding Romans 12, 5, and 6 more. Turn to just one book over. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Please, please turn with me. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I just want to read you a few verses from this, and we'll talk about it and explain it as we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I love to hear the pages turning. That's beautiful. That's awesome. And I think you'll be blessed by this as you see it for all that we've discussed here today. 1 Corinthians 12. Let me know when you're there. 1 Corinthians 12, look at verse 12. Verse 12, all right? All together, all together. I'll read it for us, and I'll explain as we go. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Now what's that talking about? It's, it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit at conversion. The moment we are truly saved, we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, automatically baptized into the body of Christ. This is when we become regenerated, born again. This is when we become brothers and sisters in Christ. Because look at the, the next part of verse 13. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter where you come from. Doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. That has no bearing on anything anymore. We are one, notice, we are all made to drink of one spirit. Verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. I love this. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, what would, uh, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Ready? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. 
If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, verse 20, there are many parts, yet one body. Notice this, notice this. There's unity, not uniformity. There's unity within the diversity. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Loved ones, look right here, look right here, okay? You know what it's saying right there? What it's saying right here? Every single part of the body is valued. Some parts get more attention, other parts are more hidden. But understand this right now. If you are a part of this church, you have something to offer to this church. Some of you are tempted to say, no, I got nothing, I, I can't do this, I can't do that. No, 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 no. In the name of Jesus Christ, if you are here, you have something to offer to the church and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Big or small in your eyes, it doesn't matter. The Lord desires to use you. Listen, you need the church and the church needs you. You have something. You have been chosen. You are valued. You are needed in this place by the design of God. Every single part is valued. Verse 23. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. Scholars debate between whether that's uh, the private parts being covered or the uh, internal organs I think in both cases, though, you have parts that are not seen, yet parts that are indispensable, parts that are essential for the body to work as God has designed. Verse 24, which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. Listen, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. See what he's saying there? See what he's saying there? If all the parts are valued if even the more modest parts are seen as essential, this is, this is the antidote for division because it brings a unity within the diversity. But when there's a competition within the body, that's what brings division. But when we function as members of one another, understanding we all have a part to play, that brings a tremendous value and understanding of how we all have a critical part as being one body made up of many members. So verse 26, that's why it says, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Sound familiar? Romans 12, 5, right? So again, one of the main points of this whole sermon and passage is this. The Christian life is not a solo mission. It's impossible. So look at it this way, okay? I want to I wanna put some, some clear truth in front of you right now. The person who says they're saved in Christ but refuses to connect to the local church, this is what you're saying, whether you mean to or not. This is what you're saying to God. Number one, God, I can do it on my own. I don't need your church. If I refuse to connect to his church, I'm saying I'm good on my own, I'm self-sufficient, which is a huge problem in our society today. Rampant individualism. Secondly, what you're saying is, whether you mean to or not, if I refuse to connect to the church, I don't want to encourage others. I don't want to be a difference in other people's lives, and I don't want to be encouraged. That's what you're saying. And lastly, for the person who refuses to connect to the local church. After today's message, what you're saying to God is, God, I understand what you said in your word. I just think you're wrong. That's what you're saying. If you refuse to connect to the church after a message like this today, God, I simply disagree with your plan for my life. I don't want to be that person. I love when the truth of God's word renews my mind and lets me see again what is most important. Listen. If you consider this church your home, you need this church, and this church needs you. Loved ones, it's time to connect. It's time to connect. Why are there still time? Some of you might be saying, well, I want to connect. I want to connect, but I can't. I just, I find it tough. Whatever. Here's what I think, too. In a church our size and what's happening, it's so easy to rely on a few individuals. If everyone sought to do their part, if everyone honestly sought to give as opposed to receive, I don't think we'd have many problems of seeing this place. It would be messy at times, and it would be you know, the different awkward things, whatever, but it would be beautiful. It would be a beautiful mess, a beautiful awkwardness. If every person, hey, there's, there's leaders in this room right now, you need to step up. There's something that needs to go in your life, 
and you need to step up and contribute to the church of Jesus Christ in this place because you understand right now it's your most important contribution that you can have in your life. I don't know who you are, but the Lord does. It's time to step up. You know, for many of us too, for many of us, it's time to get off the sidelines and it's time to get in the game. We've been sitting on the bench too long, but our name's being called right now by the Holy Spirit. First year university for me. First year university, played varsity football up at Laurier in Waterloo. And um, it was like the seventh game of the season. It was the Battle of Waterloo. It was Laurier versus Waterloo. But all season long, I hadn't dressed yet as a rookie. Haven't been in uniform during a game. That week, someone got sick. Or something like that, and all of a sudden, Simon, you're gonna be dressing for the game. I'm like, dressing for the game, wow, it's kind of a big deal. I got a little nervous, but but I wasn't gonna actually play on the offense defense. I was gonna be just special teams, kickoff and punts. So you're kinda of on the field. Not too much can go wrong in those moments, you know what I'm saying? And so I remember sitting on the bench and kind of doing my kickoffs and stuff and coming off, and then but the guy in front of me, all of a sudden, he gets hit in the head or something like that, and he gets knocked out and he's done. And then all of a sudden, to my horror, I hear, Where's Simon's? And I was like, so what, what? No, 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 no. This is the Battle of Waterloo. Waterloo versus Laurie, this intense rivalry. It was a close game. And I'm, I'm, where the coach comes up to me, okay, in this moment, little rookie kind of scared out of his mind. He grabs me with a face mask and he says, Simon, focus, focus. Don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Whatever you do, don't mess. He's literally yelling me. So he's spitting in my face, okay? <laughs> literally. Don't mess it up. Don't lose it. Now get in there, you know? And I'm just like, hey. So I walk in, and there I am. And in this position where it could have, in the game, I was playing corner where you, like, if a long pass gets caught on you, you could lose the game for them. I went in there by the, by the grace of God. Uh, we, well, we lost the game, but I didn't lose it for them. All right, you know what I'm saying? All right? Now listen, what, was I prepared in that moment? Mm, sort of. But I didn't have a choice. My name was called. The Holy Spirit for many of you right now is going to come alongside of you. He's not going to grab by the face mask. I can guarantee he won't spit in your face. All right? (laughs) But he might come up and the Holy Spirit might say, Child, it's time. It's time for you to get in the game. Because my design for you is clear. And I want glory to be given to my Father by your contribution to my church. Son, daughter... It's time to connect. It's time to connect while there's still time. May it be so. A true follower of Christ will connect for all the reasons that we've seen. Individually, members of one another, all in the one body in Christ.